Hello, Rich Bolas here, and thank you for downloading this episode of the Dad Mindset Show. Today, I chat again with clinical psychology registrar Arnie Phillips, aka the Child Whisperer, as part of our coronavirus lockdown series. This week, Arnie and I discuss assessing our family lockdown experiences in order to incorporate the best bits into our new normal going forward. Again, I need to stress that the content of this podcast doesn't constitute nor should it be considered specific psychological advice for you or your child. As with all medical, physical and mental health queries you may have, the best place to start is with your family GP or your child's paediatrician. That being said, I hope you enjoy this chat with Arnie Phillips. Arnie Phillips, welcome back. Thank you very much. Good to be back, Rich. It's good to have you here. How, how's your week been? The week's been good. Yeah, the week's been very good. I haven't had any um, brain scraping episodes this week, so that's always a sign of a good week, isn't it? <laughs> For a minute there, I thought you were talking about like being with a client, but of course you're talking no, about no. the uh, the swab. Yeah, the uh, COVID-19 testing. Yep. Um, yeah. We're all going to have to go through it at some stage, aren't we? I think so, yeah, yeah, possibly. But it's you know something to tell the grandkids, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, over and over. <laughs> oh well, yeah. granddad, shut up about the swabbing. Yeah. <laughs> In my day, <laughs> no, I mean um, actually, no, it's it's important because um, like Doctor Norman Swan on the um, CoronaCast podcast has been talking mm. quite a lot about how, like, if we can get our act together and and just do regular testing. You know, wear face masks. You know, we can essentially potentially be back on public transport and stuff. So there's a few things yeah. that if we accept as a community that we, yep, if we have a slightest cold or symptom, we just get a, you know, a COVID-19 test done. Then yeah. then that could, and we, we do the tracking, then, you know, it could be a really positive outcome for us. Um, yeah. But um, but yeah, we've all got to sign up to that. So uh, maybe we shouldn't talk about it too much. It's a really nice <laughs> test. It's uh, it's <laughs> invigorating. It's <laughs> the test is so pleasant that I'm um, trying to turn everyone else off it, <laughs> yeah. so I can save keep, all the tests for myself. Keep, keep it all to yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're so selfish. It's aren't not you? that bad. <laughs> not that bad. And and if it comes with the you know if it's the cost of getting back to some semblance of normal normalcy i, I think you know it's oh, it's oh. well worth it yeah and and cuz i mean i had a chat with the uk well, not the whole uk but my mum in the uk <laughs> and, some uh, of them <laughs> yeah a really important person in the uk and um, yeah. and they're going through strife at the moment like they have got like tens and tens of thousands of fatalities and 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 she was saying that a lot of people are just getting tired of lockdown especially when there's the the media's ramping up and blowing stories yeah. all over the place up you know comparing people that aren't locking down and stuff and and i don't want that to get th that situation to sort of happen here i think if we can go into it thinking yep okay this is something that we're happy to accept you know we will test whenever we get symptoms it, there won't be any stigma attached to it we will continually be you know mindful of distancing and uh, you know all the other things like hygiene and stuff like that i think we could come out of this in with quite a positive sort of mindset or um approach to this yeah yeah definitely and as i say it's a small price to pay for being able to avoid that quarantine or the isolation yeah if we can get back to some sort of normal then bring on the testing yeah yeah i agree arnie now, um, tell me what, what's been going on this week. I mean, because effectively, like some of the schools went back this week, didn't they? Yeah, some of the um, classes that was prepped two, and then year eleven and twelve have gone back. Some other schools, depending on how they're structured and the campus layouts and things like that, they've had other year levels go back. Um, but predominantly, it's been those um, ones that I mentioned. So that has been really interesting i guess uh last time we spoke it was so we we're in that lead up to yep. the first day back for that first wave d-day um, yeah yeah that's right <laughs> and my observation over this week has been that people are more focused or parents 
are being a bit more proactive and attentive to dealing with that second wave or the second tranche of returnees being grade three to year 10. Yeah. So when they go back, that is where um, I'm getting a bit more from parents. Right. Kind of wanting wanting advice or wanting me to sit in on school meetings, um, things like that. It, wanting to know if there's any resources out there that we can use, like the uh, department or DHHS have put out a document, for example, a social story for returning to school. So that's been um, in pretty high demand. It's been requested and shared around to quite a few families. So, Right. What's that? I haven't even heard of that. The uh, So the social story is – social stories in general are a useful – way to kind of get people used to an experience or a change or a transition. Um, we use it a lot uh, in the clients that I see and it can help them process the emotions prior to being in the situation where they'll feel those emotions. So yeah, it's almost like exposure therapy. So saying, ah, right, right. You know, in terms of going to the dentist, talking about what the steps are of going yeah. through the dentist, uh, sitting in the classroom could be another one where you need to keep your hands to yourself and you need to sit in this particular position is it almost like running a simulator yeah yeah pretty much um it's a you put it in the format of a book it can be helpful to have that book for or to have that book with it'll have pictures in there it can be useful or in a lot of cases it's very useful to have photos of the actual you know, this space. is where your bag will go and yeah. have the hook to show what it looks like. This is where you'll be sitting down for story time and having a photo of the child themselves sitting down in that spot in story time so they can really relate to it. But by reading through this social story, then they feel, in theory, they feel the emotions at a lot lower level so they can regulate it. They can talk about that with their parents or carers and say, well, work out how they're going to regulate or how they'll relax, react or what they can do when they feel um, a bit frustrated or a bit angry or feel like they want to escape that situation. They can talk about how they'll be, how they can react to it. So that's the, it. Yeah. The social story itself is a really good tool for that. Yeah. I really like that approach. I mean, so essentially what you're saying, I mean, could you talk us through an example you might use for the dentist? Cause that's a, a very sort of defined process how would it look yeah. if you were to you know talk to a social story for a child that was you know scared witless about going to the dentist so it ideally you'd have photos of the actual dentist that they're going to so you might rather than taking the kid there and putting them through that like just fully immersed in the trauma <laughs> just, um going along getting photos that's not, that's of, not ripping off a band-aid that's sticking a thousand band-aids on them and then ripping them all off with by towing yeah. them behind the car <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah and super gluing the band-aids on before you do that um but it's so you you do it, you would do a recce as a parent and you go and have a chat with yeah. the dentist take a photo of the dentist take a photo of the the, the carer, well, the, the healthcare worker next to the yeah. dentist, the receptionist. Yeah. Oh, wow. The waiting room, um, That's the cool. tools, talk about the procedure that they'll go through, talk about the feelings that they may be feeling like. There'll be feelings of um, anxiety, I'll be feeling worried, I'll be feeling scared, that type of thing, and normalising those feelings. So you know, everyone feels a little bit scared when they go to the dentist or there'll be a sharp prick from the needle if you need the needle or just those types of things um even you know photos of what they'll be looking at when they're sitting in the chair yeah a different view um depending on the age of the child you might explain why the dentist has a mouth guard why their face is yeah, covered with yeah, that, yeah. why they wear the glasses you know, the and the... welding mask and that <laughs> yeah. sort of thing yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um all those types of things just to kind of explain they're not doing it because they're trying to be scary they're doing it to be safe to you or whatever yeah. and um, um, would it be yeah. i mean so is it a, a method of desensitizing the yeah. the whole situation because they they yeah, like you say because they're they're sat in their home looking at pictures they get to do like a trial run and then go through exactly, that yeah. does look a bit scary what's that oh that's actually called a drill and that's 
Yeah. 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 And it's going through that repeatedly. Yeah. So it's similar to exposure therapy where, you know, you might, if you're afraid of the dentist, then you might just have a photo of a dentist or even the word dentist written down and you, then this is as much for adults as it is for kids. It's anyone who's got that kind of phobia looking at the word dentist and then checking in with how they're feeling when they look at that word. And then gradually over time, the level of anxiety or the stress that they experience will reduce. So then you take the next step. First, before doing this, you do like a ladder of, or a hierarchy um, of exposure. So you'd say, you know, saying the word dentist is a bit more traumatizing than seeing the word dentist written down. So we put the written word, saying the word, looking at photos of a dentist. Yeah, um, gotcha. Looking at photos of all the tools that they use, sitting or going into the waiting room, hearing the sounds of whatever's going on in the next room. Yeah, just thinking about that. (laughs) That's the worst. (laughs) Seeing seeing all the tools that they use, touching the tools, having the smells, sitting in the chair, um, having the dentist standing next to you while you're in the chair. You could even go through like having, yeah, imagine having the smells and stuff as well. Like, yeah, I don't know whether yeah, you could actually exactly, bottle yeah. that, but but those are all. There's all, so many triggers that there could be. Yeah, the, there's essence of dentist. That's the latest <laughs> one from Norska, yeah. isn't it? For, for, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, the uh, <laughs> Coco Chanel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the idea is like you'll have that ladder of distress, if you like, and <laughs> actually it sounds terrible. Gra- gradually, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's right, we'll edit that out. Yep. Um, with those, like, there'll be that exposure to each of those, and the idea is you keep revisiting each of each of the and and work um, work up the ladder stressors. Yeah, work your way up the ladder as the distress reduces for each step. Yeah. So you're just gamifying it essentially. Pretty much, yeah. Till you get to the point where you're ready you're to quite go. Quite happy to teeth ripped out without any anesthetic <laughs> no qualms whatsoever <laughs> right let's yeah. do this <laughs> yeah, maybe i should have had it for the covid test uh, yeah well saying that well yeah <laughs> so so we're going to talk people through this okay when you pull up in yeah. the car <laughs> yeah. expect the health work care worker to be a little bit on edge because they don't want to catch anything yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so I th- it's the social story is a, a really, you know, a condensed version of that exposure therapy. Yeah. And it's gives you almost a book to read at nighttime, for example, um, or kids can yeah. grab the book and have a look through it, look at the pictures, see how they're supposed to be yep. behaving in a particular situation. And it makes it easier for them to deal with the emotions that they'll be feeling. If, if nothing else, I mean, you could even just get the child to, to talk through what they anticipate, couldn't you? So what's it going to be like going back to school? Because you know you're going to have to go in through a separate gate. You know, there's yep. going to be signs saying, you know, prep students through this gate, year one to two through this gate. You know, you're going to have to queue up at a different place to leave the school. The teacher's going to, you know, have everyone wait until their parents are there to, to actually collect each child individually because you won't be, yeah. like, mummy and daddy won't be able to come through the gate to get you. And sort of really sort of desensitize them or, or prepare them for this new scenario. Yeah, that's exactly it. And that's really the um, basis of what I've done in a few sessions this week as well is looking at the client's thoughts regarding school. Um, and I, it's been a really effective activity actually of taking a page, dividing it into four, um, four quadrants and labelling each of those quadrants excited, worried, unsure and expecting and then just sitting down with kids and saying what, depending on uh, how expressive children are and what age they are, you can say what are you excited about with school or what are you worried about with school, what are you unsure about with school, what are you expecting at school 
and then you can put those things in these different quadrants. Or another approach can just be to talk them through the day, like um, what do you think will be different when I drop you off? Do you think you'll have to store your bag in a different spot when you get to the school? What do you think the classroom will look like? Do you think yeah. you'll be able to um, sit next to your best friend? Do you think you'll all be sitting on the same group table? What do you reckon well? break's going to look like? Are you all going to be together? Yeah. Are the preps going to be separate from the others? Yeah. And I suppose yeah. getting all, as much information from the schools as possible is going to be really key to that as well. Exactly. And so in going through that discussion of, you know, your day at school, then it can be about deciding is it an unsure is it, or is it an expecting response that they've given. So they're the ones you're going to need to check in with the school about and confirm yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, um, or just clarify what the child is expecting. It's like the bonus hats, um, isn't it? Yeah, put on your hat. Yeah, for, yeah exactly. Okay, yeah. What's, what's your what's your sure hat? Hats, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, oh, I'm excited about um, this one. I'm gonna, yeah, that's got yeah. that's got to be a happy color. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be orange. Yeah. Is that a happy color? I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then if they're worried or excited, then they're the ones that don't necessarily need any clarification. But they may be ones that you need to, you know, if they're worried, then maybe come up with your own social story to address that worry or yeah, yep. come up with a strategy for them at school. If they're worried about something, then what's uh, something you can put a, in place? A coping, a coping mechanism or something that they can feel in control of. Yes, yeah. And then the, yeah, the excitement, it's something you can remind them of when they are, when that worry does start to take over and they're having the meltdown at 8.30 when it's time to get in the car and get to school, then Remember, you're going to get to see all your friends at school, or you yeah. get to do art today. You get to do painting. You get to do singing or dancing or whatever it is that you have listed it in that exciting yeah, yeah, quadrant. Yeah. Focus then on the bring good it stuff. Out when there's a meltdown going <laughs> yeah. on, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, so that, that can be a useful one too. Do you do you think it's then the older kids that are more reluctant to go back to school, or do you think it's just the parents realizing that oh, we didn't perhaps hit the ground running, getting the prep and like sort of year 12 students back. What, what do you reckon it, it is? It's, can I take a politician's answer and say it's a combination of the two? <laughs> sure, honey. <laughs> do whatever you want. <laughs> I, th- I think it's got a lot to do with the age of the clients that I've got. Yeah. Um, so the, I'd say the majority of them are in that the year middle, three the middle tranche. year 10. <laughs> yeah. The, um, and it also has a bit to do with the fact that probably parents kind of assume or were focusing on the fact that, all right, back to school, that's the target we're going for, and then we'll see how it goes. Things may have gone a little bit more pear-shaped than they were expecting, so, <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the second round of students or kids returning to school, we need to maybe prepare for that. Yeah. So that's where these SSG meetings are coming in and, um, you know, the OTs, speeches. What, is, what does SSG mean? stand for? Oh, a social know. story it's, group, is it? No, no, no. It's um student support group or ah, something like right, that. Gotcha. They, they, um, yeah, it's just one of those TLAs that people like to throw around. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're having these SSGs with schools. <laughs> and for anyone that hasn't come across the acronym TLA, that's a three-letter acronym. <laughs> Right, there goes all the mystery, Rich. Come on. <laughs> Sorry. That was totally unnecessary, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, now everyone realises how shallow I am. <laughs> <laughs> I just realised that, no, I tend to be the only idiot in the room goes, hang on, am I the only one that doesn't know what that guy's talking about? <laughs> I look around and go, yeah. no one else seems to be asking the question. Oh, I've got to do it. All right. What, what exactly is that? <laughs> because everyone else is on their laptop just looking like, what does TLA stand for? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think, um, I, think, I think it was maybe my 40, 42nd birthday when I started realizing, you know what? Yeah, I'm just going to ask the question now. I don't care. <laughs> it feels so much better. Yeah. And everyone else feels so much better too. Yeah. Like, oh, everyone else is thinking it. Rich is asking it. This is yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, just on that point, Arnie, I mean, 
Annie, she's been held back. Well, she her her age group have not gone back to school. I don't think she's massively looking forward to going back. Obviously, she misses her friends, but um, yeah. it's been actually. I think she's actually really enjoyed homeschooling to the extent that she's managed to knock work out early, not necessarily do all the work, but you know do do what felt like a, a reasonable amount and then have way more freedom. And I feel like we might have made a rod for our home back because essentially we're selling her a, a dud deal when it's like, okay, you go from having four hours of freedom every day to having no hours of freedom. And so <laughs> got a big sales, uh, you know, a big sales task ahead of me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I'm not, not sure you- which tack to take now. Or you've got an enrollment to Virtual Schools Victoria coming up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, she's talked about homeschooling. This homeschooling rocks. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah, it wouldn't actually be like this if we were properly homeschooling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There'd be someone more than just Principal Rich. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> getting you to do the work. Yep. But, yeah, um, yeah I think it's uh, it must be a – I imagine – well, I'm hoping there are other folks <clears> – <throat> probably a, a mean thing to hope but i'm hoping that other parents in a similar situation of going right yeah, this yeah. is the reality you've got to go back to school now and i know you might think it's not an optimum sort of uh a suboptimal <laughs> sort of you know what was the phrase used before like a a non-preferred non, task <laughs> non-preferred task yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's a necessary one we actually call them NPTs. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Write that one down. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't, but IT industry would for sure. <laughs> they love to, their acronyms. You need to introduce more into the uh, the psych industry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the um, What was I going to say then? There was something you mentioned there that made me think. Yeah, selling the idea of going back. You know, there's, are there other kids yes, in a similar yeah. situation? So, thank you. Uh, there's a good approach in terms of in the motivational interviewing um, discipline that can be helpful in that I sense. like the so, sound of that. That, that. that just makes me think of Anthony <laughs> Robbins. Like, sort of, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, one teeth are white enough and big enough for that. Then <laughs> you're not so six foot that. six. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is the... Slightly chubby, coffee-stained, crooked teeth version <laughs> hey, of Anthony Robbins' I'm, presentation. I'm, I'm there with you. <laughs> uh, so with drinking way too much coffee the last few weeks. <laughs> I thought you were going to say wine. Uh, well, <laughs> no, I've been uh, complimenting the coffee with uh, <laughs> a, se- a severe dose of wine. You've got to mix up that water intake, don't you? Exactly. You, water, can't, you can't be too water. hydrated. You can no, drown exactly. in that stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from it. Uh, with motivational interviewing, a good approach to take um, is to look at or sit down and say, how motivated are you to go to school? Like on a scale of one to ten, where would you say you are? And it's probably around a three or a four. <laughs> I was going to say, I'd, I, so I wouldn't then, even hazard a guess for what Annie <laughs> would answer right now. Yeah, yeah. So then you just go through and list out, all right, why is it not a one or two? Um, oh, so you go down so that, first. Yeah, start down and say, the, I'd, I'd like to start on the I suppose down, down one, yeah, so down, then you Dan's finish good, on the up. Well, yeah, and, and I suppose if you go down, it's like, well, actually, no, because I get to see my friends, and they start on positives. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. I like that. So, yeah. So I get to see my friends. I get to do some subjects. I get out of the house those types of things. And then, all right, so they're the why is it not lower. Tell me about why is it not up a bit higher. And it's because I have to be at school between nine and three. Um, I have to do subjects that I don't enjoy. Whatever the reasons are for why it's not a bit higher. And then working out, all right, what can we do to bump up those uh, motivators and what can we do to reduce those obstacles yeah, and making sure that the answers to those two questions are very tangible, uh, practical things that you can put in place Yeah, because that effectively becomes a to-do list for either yourself or the children to kind of 
take and say, all right, this is how I'm going to be a bit more motivated about going to school. <clears throat> so it could be, you know, I get to see my friends. So let's meet a block away from school and we can all walk together to school. Yeah, let's organise a play date for after the first day back. So we exactly. go over to so-and-so's house and hang out for an hour before dinner. Yeah, yeah, precisely. Hmm. So, yeah, that motivate motivational interviewing is a really good way for a lot of things. I've found a lot of um, – I've found it to be very effective in treatment sessions to go through that approach. Yeah. Um, and I think clients find it useful because they – They'll just think, well, I don't really want to go. That's it. Don't yeah, it it's, it's a binary thing. Yeah, that's right. Whereas if you put it on that um, scale and go, right, let's call it what number and why, then it starts yeah. sort of uh, challenging beliefs you have around certain things. That's right. It's, yeah. it's interesting you say that, Arnie, because I actually started going through, I, I suppose my, my end goal was to have any be able to sit down at night time and write down a list of the three things she was going to do the next day, what she was excited about, um, what she was going to focus on or, or learn the next day and what she was going to enjoy the most the next day and what might be a challenge or something like that. I was hoping to get her to that stage because I thought it'd be a really good superpower for when you're an autonomous worker. You know, that the whole idea of being able to write a list of six things that you're going to do the next day is one of the most... Uh, productive things many people find they can put in their toolbox uh, because then they sleep on it, they wake up the next day, they know exactly what they got to start on, it's the, the top priorities for that day, and they're off they go. And uh, I was thinking maybe I could sort of get her going with this, and, and I found that it just didn't really gel, the whole idea. And I think it was because I didn't really go through a, a sort of a formula or a process of maybe going, you know, what you were saying, like the motivational interviewing. Um, how do you feel about going to school tomorrow and what score is it? I like this idea of putting a score on it because then it teases it, it teases out more input, but but a discussion. It's not just a straightforward what's the most what are you looking forward to the most? Because that that's really hard to tease out of a child, I think. It is, yeah. Whereas yeah. this is almost like interrogating in the best possible sense <laughs> but, but just i don't mean in the worst sense but but it's really sort of pulling apart an idea and just having a conversation around it and i think yeah. putting numbers on it is actually quite a fun thing to do because there's a lot more input from the child as well yeah exactly and stepping away from that binary perspective of either i want to go to school or i don't want to go to school yeah um it helps you say what about if I wanted to go to school a little bit more? What would that look like? And what about if I wanted to go to school a little bit less? Then what would be the reasons if I was in that mindset? It kind of helps all people, like mm. children, adults, helps take that, um, shift that perspective to a different level of motivation. <clears throat> and to better understand the level of motivation that they're at now. It'd be interesting to sort of broaden it as well and and sort of have a look at the things that were done sort of before a day when the child really wanted to go to school. Now, what preceded that activity? And it might be as simple as they had their breakfast before 7.30. They didn't watch TV, you know, in the morning, and then school just just flowed. Or it could be... If they had breakfast after 7.30 or, you know, the Nutri-Grain ran out or whatever it is and they watched TV for more than five minutes, the wheels fell off. So identifying almost the precursors that went well, worked well, like the the ritual, I guess, that was like the yeah. optimum ritual for, for getting on track and, and focused and excited and, and getting there. Yeah, knowing what the things are that set you up for success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's not rocket science, but it's much, much harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, I'm definitely going to try that, Arnie. I like that. Motivational interviewing. Motivational interviewing. A picture Good of on. Anthony Robbins. <laughs> <in my mind. laughs> 
Shallow Hal. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch that movie again. I was talking to Sarah about that only yesterday. Right. Have you seen? Time it? to break it out again, is it? I haven't seen it. No. Ah, oh, yeah. I, I can't remember it that well. I just remember Anthony Robbins in the elevator with Jack Black, and he just does an intervention on Jack Black <laughs> and sort of, yeah, it is. It was great. It's uh, yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, uh, um, yeah, I, I took a sidestep there. Sorry, Arnie. <laughs> now, it's okay. One of the other, uh, one of the other thoughts you had this week was, um, as we all go back and, and when we're breaking out of you know lockdown and going back to a new normal, identifying the learnings. Can you talk to me a bit about this, Arnie? Yeah. So I think it's important that we don't just move on to the next stage without taking something away from the stage that we're leaving Um, and the stage that we're leaving can be different for everyone but basically it's that quarantine isolation homeschooling working from home Uh, the whole whole family is together 24 7 situation that a lot of people have been in over the past few months so that way it can be useful to kind of sit down as a family and say did we really enjoy out of that period? Because whilst it was difficult, it had its challenges, there'll be things that um, have been effective or things that have left us in a better place than where we were prior. Uh, Some of the things that families have mentioned have, and we've mentioned before in the podcast, siblings are getting along a lot better. Um, Other ones that, I've heard and I was chatting with a few people through the week about this. The, they're enjoying the morning sunrise walks. So they've been getting up, going for a walk and having the sun rise around them, um, having dinner together every night without rushing off to music or sport or some other social activity. Uh, even seeing that kids can settle arguments for themselves if you let them go at it for long enough, they eventually... <laughs> the negotiator steps in and instead of the combatant <laughs> yeah. and things can calm down without you needing to intervene. So just those sorts of learnings can be really useful to know that, right, that's what we've noticed over this two or three month period in lockdown. Yeah. And I, I don't know, have you, can, do they kind of relate absolutely, to it? No, absolutely. And it was when you mentioned it earlier that, <laughs> I think for for our family, we've really got around the bike rides. The bike rides have been pivotal. Um, you know, the kids, that's the one thing that either Sarah or myself could mention and all the kids go, yeah, sure, let's do it. We're in. Yeah. Whereas nice. things like board games, that was usually two out of three. Um, but, you know, there are occasions when it was everyone. We didn't get into the board games as much as I'd have liked, I think. Um, drawing initially was really well received, but then that dropped off and I can speak for myself that dropped off as well. I so wanted to stay on that, but I think, um, one of, one of the things that I, I kind of think would have been good to have got the family into more is journaling. That's something I really would have liked to. And personally, I've been doing it. And I take so much from it that I really would have liked to have shared that more with the kids. And I got them writing letters to their nana in the UK. Yep. And but that it was hard to keep that up. And so but I think one of the outcomes I would have loved from that, and I mean obviously there's still time, is um getting them writing just a little bit every day to normalize it. And so then it just wouldn't seem such a big task later on when they have to write more stuff. It's just a a regular update and a reflection because I think reflecting on the day is really useful. You know, that sort of um, the five-minute journal. It's one one of the best tools I've found, not necessarily that style of questioning, but just for building up this strengthening the gratitude muscle. And yep. and that's one thing that I'd really like to get the kids into. I just haven't found the the best way to do it yet. I think just because yeah. I've I've benefited so much from it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think um, in terms of from a general perspective, like in the past work life that I've had, I like to produce things that have multiple purposes. Hmm. And looking at 
the journaling activity that from my perspective i would kind of look at that journaling as being having a purpose so you know why are we getting the kids to journal is it to get them to communicate something or is it to get them to reflect on something or is it to get them to articulate it in a particular way or is it to just get them to to practice their handwriting you know what is it that you're getting them to journal yeah and if it's practicing handwriting then it may be a matter of getting them to go through the newspaper and find two sentences that they can relate to or that they think tell their story of today um, and writing that out um, it could be a reflective journal so they're going back and talking about what was their day like today it could be a mood journal to go back and say what are the different moods that you felt today it could be a learnings journal to say what did i learn today it could be a humor journal to say you know what did i find funny today that type of approach can help um, take away that you know, because sitting down journaling is like, well, here's a blank it's page. It's a blank page. Yeah, you need it. constraints, don't you? That can be really daunting. But I think that's yeah. why I dropped off the pandemic because I just yeah. didn't quite have yeah. a, a focus for the day. For the first few, it was easy because there are things around me. But then after that, I was like, oh, I don't, can't draw the same picture again. Yeah. <laughs> and like I think that can be a daunting thing. Like with that journaling, when you're not really used to journaling, that can be really daunting to think wow, I've got to really make these words count because it's a blank page and yeah, yeah. it's really got to be useful. So uh, for me, and I had that same thing with pandemic as well where you know, I'll sit down with a blank page and think I can't think of anything to draw. But if I made the decision at the start of the day that I'm going to keep an eye out for something throughout the day to draw, then it made it a lot easier. You know, By 9 o'clock in the morning, I've thought of something. Uh, so you mean like opening your filters, like I'm going to draw something in motion or I'm going to draw something blue or, you know, yeah. something like just a key or word. Just, I'm going to listen for a funny story today yeah. that someone's going to tell me and I'm going to be able to draw it. Um, so that type of a, an approach has been useful for me with pandemic and it could be useful for the journaling as well. Yeah. Setting the kids up at the start of the day to say, Today or tonight, our journal will be writing two sentences about something that we've learnt today or something that surprised us today or something that excited yeah, us today. Yeah. Rather than just throwing it out at them at dinner time and they're like, oh, of, I wish you yeah, told me this earlier because I, I can't really think of anything that surprised me. But if you're looking for yeah. it, you'll remember it. Exactly, yeah. And it helps you, or from a personal perspective, it helped me a bit be a bit more mindful throughout the day of all right listening in for a funny story a great story that i can turn into a picture yeah you're just yep. kind of a bit more in tune with what people are saying instead of being in autopilot and you know conversations come and go and, <laughs> but well, it's, with it, me they do anyway it's like, <laughs> but it's like we talked about earlier isn't it we're like it's like when you go into a learning situation with the mindset that you're gonna have to reteach this to someone else like a friend later you go in That's with right. a completely different mindset and you tend to take on board so much more and be able to assimilate it better because you've you prompted yourself and you've got the drive to go yeah uh, i need to be able to re-communicate this yeah definitely hmm. and you know i've done that with notes at work um with notes when i went back and was studying psychology to get me through those three-hour lectures on stats. <laughs> and <laughs> it was no toilet either, breaks. <laughs> oh, yeah, there were toilet breaks every five minutes. Oh, I've got to go. Sorry. <laughs> continue, continue on without me. Yeah, don't mind me. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. um, no, it was, you know, either falling asleep 10 minutes into the <laughs> lecture or finding a purpose for what you're doing. Yeah. Or, yeah, falling asleep or getting severely distracted with, um, I don't know, online shopping. Or... <laughs> but yeah, you go in with a purpose and you can sit down and if you're drawing your, your notes, because um, yeah. your notes were very sort of visual as well, weren't they? They were. So I basically put together almost an infographic. So three hours of not so much stats. That was probably just 
couple of dot points and uh, that's about it. But for the majority of my or the lectures, it was three hours on a particular disorder or a particular assessment type and condensed into a, you know, a one-pager, a four-page infographic with pictures here and there and arrows and which it must stuff. be so good because it's it's like the mind mapping technique, isn't it? You could then go back and just flick through those notes, and it's like an aid memoir. Yeah, exactly, and that's what it was for me. I found even um, when I was working in my previous gig, um, my notes were just random pictures, um, and looking at those pictures, I was able to kind of relate to the discussion that went on in the meeting or in the workshop or whatever. Uh, but someone else would look at it and think this is just a random <laughs> scribble that yeah. means nothing. Yeah. Uh, so Hier- that hieroglyphics. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that's when I decided, you know, things have to have multiple purposes. Hmm. So I'm going to draw pictures in this meeting, but it's going to be a picture or an infographic that I can pass on to some of my colleagues and it'll make sense to them as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, putting a bit more thought into it. And, it did make make the information sink in a lot as well. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, um, I, I wanted to step back a bit as well because obviously the first thing you mentioned, Arnie, around this topic is identifying the learnings from being in lockdown. And so, we, I mean, we've reflected on some of the items from identifying the learnings. But what what other sort of learnings do you think parents could be? I, almost like looking for? Uh, do you see there's certain, what, what have you come across with your clients? Have there been certain themes? You, you mentioned like sitting around the meal table as a family, you know, spending time together, going for the early morning walks. Yeah. So, and I think those, the themes, if you like, are what can come out of that next step of reflecting on the learning. So it's, you mentioned the bike ride, for example, where, if you, you or Sarah mentioned the bike ride, everyone's on board. But I'm sure if you went out and said, all right, two of you are going to go off on a bike ride or one of you goes on a bike ride, the appeal wouldn't be there as much. Yeah. Um, so it's about looking at what are the values that are being tapped into in that bike ride. And it's about family time and being together and that sense of unity. Yeah. you're feeling. Um, so I think that's been a kind of a really good, that can be a good learning. Or, or with the with the bike ride, maybe it is like it's the freedom because at the end of the day, bikes are freedom machines and maybe yeah. when they're out on the bike, they feel free. You know, they're, yeah. they're driving somewhere, fresh air, wind in the air. You know, it's yeah. that sort of getting out of the coop. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. but what you're saying is drilling down to try and get to the, the root the sort of, um, I guess, the value posit- that yeah, underlies the, value. the activity. Yeah. 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 So, another one I was chatting with my supervisor yesterday actually about um, her young daughter who's making pancakes or she's started to, you know, bake some things for lunch or bake cookies or something. And she wouldn't have done that in the past. She would have, it would have been something that she would have needed help with, but she's at the stage now where. She's doing all that on her own. Um, and so, you know, the activity there is cooking, but the value is about a sense of autonomy and independence yeah. for the, her daughter. So whilst it may not be feasible moving forward to eat pancakes every day, pancakes every day for breakfast. <laughs> awesome as it would be. <laughs> yeah, how can we continue that sense of autonomy and independence for her daughter? Yeah. You know, that's the, I guess, the thing that we focus on as well. Yeah. So drill, is, once you've drilled down into finding what the uh, the root benefit is, then actually teasing out other activities that, you know, they can do to actually feed that, that um, okay, what would you call it? It's not even a desire, is it? It's um, just the, the enjoyment or? Yeah. It, feeling? It's the enjoyment. Yeah. yeah. So... And that's the third stage. So the first stage to go back is about identifying the learnings. The second stage is reflecting on those learnings to work out what is the core value that it's tapping into. 
And then the third stage is implementing something to embed those core values in our life after uh, lockdown. So yeah. uh, we can't cook pancakes every day for breakfast, but what's something else we can do to make sure that she has a level of autonomy and independence moving forward? Can you, think of, any, can you think of any examples there? With like the pancake example, what what could it be? Yeah, so it may be, you know, choosing a meal. Um, she might get to cook lunch on Saturday, for example, or she might be able to cook a meal through the week um, and giving a further level of independence to say, all right, you get to put the shopping list together. If you're cooking a meal yeah. for the whole family, yeah, then yeah. let's put a shopping list together and we'll make sure we buy all that stuff. Um, I really with, like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, your your bike rides. It may be that you were going for a bike ride at lunchtime, for example. The family went for a bike ride at lunchtime, but with everyone back at school and work, then that's not going to be practical. So, how can we make sure that, especially we're doing during winter, as a family unit? Yeah, yeah true. Yeah, <laughs> dark nights, um, and, uh, but still maintaining that sense of freedom. So, what can we do through the week to make sure? There's that sense of freedom. We get to get out. We get to, you know, feel like, f- feel the wind in our hair or whatever it is. Well, with helmets on, you wouldn't have the wind in your hair, would you? <laughs> no, not so much. <laughs> wind in my whiskers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so how can we kind of tap into that value of freedom and unity, family unity, yep. in an uh, ongoing perspective? Um, another one can be, you know, we loved, I mentioned before, that enjoying dinner together every night through the week without having to rush off yeah. to sport or music or anything. Sport, music and those social activities do have advantages and so you may want to tap back into those when lockdown uh, is lifted. But can you still have that sense of community and family unity by making sure that one night through the week is family night and everyone's yeah. home by five o'clock we're going to play a board game for between five and six and then we're going to have dinner at yeah. six o'clock and um, that shouldn't it, be difficult to do should it but i think it's one of those yeah. it's one of those things that if you don't prioritize it it just falls by the wayside and so exactly, identifying yeah. the learnings reflect so it's so really the opportunity now then what you're saying on is if we identify, say, two or three of the key things that we've noticed work well with the family and that really resonate well with the family, we reflect on those and, and not necessarily say, okay, so we've got to go on bike rides once a week. That'll satisfy yeah. that need. But maybe drill down deeper and go, actually, it's a sense of freedom, autonomy, whatever, or you know, just being as a pack, you know, like a family together. Yeah. And then yeah. finding other things we could maybe supplant that activity with but um you know really taking a considered look at what's worked well trying to find the deeper meaning behind it and then actually guarding the that space in the week moving forwards when we're back into the the thick of things and if it is the family dinner yep we absolutely have to have one night a week that is just for family so yeah and that could change but it has to be locked in and then we just do board games or whatever it was that worked really well that was the the thing we identified that we enjoyed as a family correct yeah and i guess you know honing in on that one night through the week that could be difficult with you know the different schedule of you know footies on one night there's hockey there's soccer there's dance there's music with all those things you know you might be struggling to find a night through the week where everyone gets to do a sport but everyone's home on that one night as well yeah. um and so it's about how we're we going to prioritize it how do we make sure that we do have a night um maybe that, maybe it's a know, breakfast that, <laughs> it's like we have a massive exactly, family yeah. breakfast where we cook pancakes every monday morning yeah that's right or it could just be Sunday afternoon, we know that we can keep that clear because there's not any sport, music or school activities yeah. on a Sunday afternoon. So let's just pick that one. It may mean that our social calendar takes a hit, but 
I'm happy to sacrifice catching up with friends on a Sunday afternoon if it means my family stays as close and cohesive as what they are now. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's about saying, right, how can we implement something, understanding that there'll be new pressures when we go into the new normal. Yeah, and not just going in, I guess, rudderless. And so you end up being at the whim of the tides and the currents. You, you go yeah. in with a with a, a destination in mind. You know, yeah, this is where we want to be as a family over the coming months, and this is important to us. Yeah. And that's the opportunity and, this week, really, more than anything, isn't it? Because this is the last week before the, the middle school kids go back, essentially. Yeah, and once they've right. gone back, it's kind of easy to fall into old routines real quickly. Yeah. And I think that's where it's important to decide that it's important as a family. So, you know, does everyone think that having one night a week through, or one night through the week where we get together as a family, does everyone agree that that's important? Or are there some people who <laughs> I can, are like, I can hear the groan I'm, from one. I'm happy to tap out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's important for all you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think it's important that I'm the control and I'm not involved in that. And we see who's happier at the end. <laughs> Maybe that's something you discover as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that there's a little black sheep in every family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. Okay. Yeah. No, that's, um, I really like that. So identifying the learnings, reflecting on those. So going a bit deeper, trying to peel back the onion and then, yeah. uh, planning or, or locking in an activity or something into the schedule moving forward so that it, it sort of, um, entrenches that behavior or, or the, that thing that works so well during lockdown. Yeah. yeah. And I was chatting with a mate of mine. He's a teacher who has taken this very similar approach, not from a family perspective, but from a work perspective. Um, and his reflection on or his learnings about how kids have different or how his students have gone through the homeschooling period and how different kids have a different level of motivation and autonomy when it comes to that learning experience. Some can just be given all the material at the start and they can go off and, you know, they hit the mark straight away every time. They know what they're doing. They'll come back half an hour later and the job's done. Others kind of need that need prompting or they might need touching base every now and then to, (laughs) yeah, to get them back on track. Yeah. And then others almost need their hand held throughout every step of the uh, learning activity. And he has reflected on that and kind of said well for those kids who can just pick it up and run with it his teaching approach in the past has been to uh, introduce the learning activity to the kids they'll go off and start on it but if he notices that a few of them are struggling or a few of them are getting stuck on points he'll bring everyone back and say all right or everyone come back here and then he'll go through it again and then let them go again and he, he kind of picked up on it and said well imagine for those kids who i know can pick it up and run with it how annoying that must be yeah stopping and he's saying stop come back and then they just have to sit there and then they're not interested in it anymore when they get back to actually doing the activity so he's kind of being a bit more conscious of that and understanding that there may be some kids who just hit that flow as soon as they sit down and start the activity and they can get it done um so being from his perspective, being a bit more flexible in the classroom and it, has been his learning. And it makes me wonder about the kids that need that extra attention, certainly maybe the first couple of times they go through an activity. Maybe if if they back off, the teacher backs off from that attention, their interest goes out the window and they're back to square one again. So maybe it is yeah. that, you know, totally almost bespoke a time where you go, right, you got to sit down and go through this much further than you would. Because I found that definitely going through some of the maths problems with homeschooling. Sometimes it would take a good, like, uh, maybe five, six, seven 
like different sums before the momentum picked up. But once you hit that point, you could feel it and then you could let go. But if you left just before that... And that was that, just for you to get your head around some <laughs> exactly, of the maths. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, just revisit like... 35 years ago like flashback but um long division but I don't, yeah don't get me isn't started. there a smartphone app for that well well actually uh annie was using siri at one stage and i was going i know your game you rogue <laughs> give me that phone back like, you gotta you gotta hand it to her she's definitely yeah. uh utilizing utilizing all the uh tools available but um <laughs> but there was definitely a a, a tipping point whereby if you didn't get to that tipping point, that exercise would drag on for hours. But if you just spent that extra five minutes maybe, and it was generally only five minutes, and you just got over that tipping point, then it was downhill and easy. And and I think I didn't push through enough to start with, but I realized after a while that, hang on a minute, yeah, there's there's something I've missing. One last push. Yeah, it's the the last mile. And, and, you know, you miss that mile, and it becomes hell on earth. <laughs> but if yeah. you if you get over that ridge, it's all downhill the other side. So yeah. that, it was definitely a learning experience for me. On it, add that to the user manual. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, a- any other thoughts from this week? Um, I don't think so. Or just in relation to that. Um, picking up on the user manual and going back to <laughs> the unwritten you <laughs> yeah <laughs> so. yeah the the undocumented functionality <laughs> um, i think it, picking up on the learnings perspective as well from you know in terms of what parents have noticed about the homeschooling of their child during their homeschooling yeah. period and preparing for that transition back to school for those that are transitioning it can be useful for the parents to just reflect back on that and say, well, what, how did I know what worked for my kids when they were learning? How did I know that, you know, as you just mentioned, that one last push to get them over the edge and then everything's smooth from there on. But if you tapped out too soon, then it was just a world of pain in finishing that, the rest of the activity. So that's something that can go into what I've called the user manual for the kids. So <laughs> the handover can, document. <laughs> yeah. And that handover document can be something that, you know, you just mentioned to the teachers. They're not necessarily going to want 20 user manuals for the 20 kids that are sitting in their classroom now. Um, but there may be a couple of tips that you can give teachers if they say he's really struggling in this area. I'm not sure why they get, they're not getting these things with maths or, She's not really understanding the concept of writing out a you know reflective essay or something and just helping with prompts of that. Yeah. Or keeping that user manual for yourself. And it may be that, you know, you know that um, your child is able to complete, you know, a reflective essay better if they're prompted at the start of the day that, you know, in English in period four today, you're going to need to write this. So just keep in mind through the day of things that you can write on there and it'll be easier for you because they'll be kind of fresh in your mind. So, you know, that's almost putting that user manual in place, that prompt there at the start of the day. It can also be a user manual that in addition to sharing with the teacher and yourself, share it with the kid yeah. and say, you know, I've noticed that if you do this, then you respond better. Or I've noticed that these behavioural traits, if you're starting to um, swing your legs, then it's kind of a sign that you're losing focus. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. if that's happening, then maybe ask if you can go to the toilet, splash some water on your face, <laughs> know get that, grounded know again. That, know thyself. Back. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Nothy see too. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Read it on a bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I think the, these are some of the most important things. You know, if you can get these insights into your own, um, you know, functionality or optimal functionality and ways to get there, oh, it just removes so much heartache, I think. Yeah. 
And, you know, and maybe it's only certain subjects, you know, when you're in this subject that you really struggle with this. So here's, here's the hack that we came up with. Yeah. And that can be so helpful at any age. You know, how many times have you had people say, have you noticed you do this or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I hadn't, but thank you. That's <laughs> yeah. really? really useful. Yeah, <laughs> I do. No, uh, yeah. no, I don't. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. Where were you 20 years ago? <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, totally, totally. And it, it, could, it could almost be like a, an avoidance tactic. Do you know that every yeah, time right. you have this homework put in front of you, without fail, you go straight to the fridge or you go straight, yeah. It's yeah. like, ah, right, bugger. Someone's been watching me at work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're saying I should go to the fridge first? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, just preempt that. Where are you going? I'm yeah. going to do some maths homework at the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I must admit, coffee has been definitely one of those things for me. Uh, I, I've noticed that coffee has been a procrastination tool. I found myself yeah. grinding coffee going, I don't actually want a coffee right now, but it's so nice to be preparing a coffee. And I think I'm just trying to avoid that task that I've got next on my list. Yeah, I'm sure coffee has been my procrastination source and saviour. Yeah, yeah, that's right, because it is. For it's, so it's, many years. It's well known that it's actually really good at motivating as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think it was Even, Douglas Douglas Adams that when he was asked how, how he was such a successful writer, said, well, all I do, I love tea, and that I, I force myself to write a page before I have the next cup of tea. And wow. so he just had that carrot, really big carrot for him. Nice. I would, um, I again, reflecting back on my past gig, I'd get to a stage where, you know, writing a process map or doing a strategy document or something, just sit down and think, oh, I need to go and get a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so, just, but, you know, coffee wasn't getting the instant coffee. It was going for a, like yeah. a 10 minute walk to a cafe. So, so the learning from that would have been like, yeah, I, I need to go for a walk before I do this document or something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and the walk just happens to be, you know, through the back streets, into a cafe. Yeah. Sit down, have a couple of long blacks, and then wander back to the office, do half an hour of work, and then back to the cafe again. <laughs> well, I, actually, yeah, that's one of the things I found has worked well, and it's that old chestnut of. Writing down, stopping at a point where you're not completely finished or well, not so much that, but working into the next task before you stop. That's probably the better way to put it. And I found that if I stop at the end of a task, then when I come back, it's hard to get started again. Whereas yeah. if I, I, I finish a task, but then start on the next one, but just do the prelim work and then it's sort of set up. And I know exactly what I got to do. The point when I know exactly what I got to do, I leave the screen up. And sometimes, if I'm really mindful, I'll write down a note, like a post it note. And then I can go off and have a coffee because I know I can come back and just go, oh, yeah, straight in. And it's, and wow. it's an easy start. It's almost yeah. like that, that one of always do the easiest task on the, put a really easy task at the top of your to do list on the first yeah. task of the day. So you get that momentum. And you get straight into it because I find it's so I, – I personally struggle when I start fresh on a task and it's like, so where do I start? You know, that kind of yeah. thing. And I found that just doing a little bit extra homework, like I guess it's that pushing through that extra mile before you have a break so that you've just laid yeah. the groundwork enough so that it's like, no, just pick up the trowel, put the cement there and plop a brick on top. That's all you got to do, yeah. you know, spelling that, it out. Yeah, that's <laughs> – that sounds like a um, Dan Brown novel, doesn't it? With the as he's getting towards the end of one chapter, he leaves that cliffhanger. Oh for yeah, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> chapter after the next one. So that's then right. That's, that's you know, it's what the makes it a page. It's, the, it's, it's like, the it's the Netflix cliffhanger. Or, or yeah, any yeah, exactly. Netflix series because <laughs> that's right. <laughs> they've hacked the uh, <laughs> the the storytelling uh, um, yeah. program. Yeah, they've got the uh, the formula worked out. And, I wonder yeah, if we'll get to the stage start where the next chapter towards the end of it. Yeah, I wonder if we'll get to the stage where we watch a Netflix document, um, like TV series, and go round about in the next three minutes. There should be one of these scenes, and 
around about minute 17 of the first episode, someone should die. And then, yeah. like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I was expecting that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> These things drop into place. I was expecting it, but it's still a big surprise. Yep. And I can't wait to watch the next episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Well, um, I think that's uh, that's been great, Arnie. Um, you got a whole bunch of homework for me again, as ever. Nice. Appreciate I'll it. Checking up on that. Yep. I'll, uh, How motivated are you to do that homework? I'm pretty motivated, but I'm going to have to write a list now before I go to bed. <laughs> so, yeah. Scale of one to ten? Um, I, I, I put it up and I can't use the seven. <laughs> yeah, so, so scale <laughs> of one to ten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I always find that's a good way. Yeah, you can pick a number between one and ten. And it can't be seven. Oh shit! Okay, <laughs> oh, you caught me there. Uh, right. Okay, seven point five. <laughs> and why isn't it a seven? Because <laughs> you wouldn't let me have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wanted seven. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. All right. Well, um, no, that's great. Thanks ever so much for taking the time again, Arnie. Um, I appreciate it more than ever, and I'm sure there are plenty of other people out there listening that appreciate your help as well. So getting us through this this lockdown period and um, and moving uh, onto a brave new world. Yeah, thank you. Oh, nice one, Aldous. <laughs> so, yeah, um, probably shouldn't have said that, but <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. okay. It's not. Uh, yeah, so 1984 was not supposed to be an instruction manual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, um, um, very good. All right, thank you. I've enjoyed it once again. Yeah, I hope you have a great week, Arnie, and um, look forward to catching up again soon. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Rich. Thanks ever so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Arnie as much as I did. If you're enjoying these conversations, please give the show a rating, and even more so, please give it a review. I love reading the reviews, and it really helps others to discover the podcast. Well, that's all from me. I hope you stay safe and sane. Until next time. Enjoy your caffeinated beverage. <laughs>